Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Ad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share, and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week, I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way, whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey Greasers, I hope you're having an okay week. It's it's hard, isn't it? This pandemic thing. It's a bit hard. I've had, I've had enough, don't know about you. Um, it's so like grief, isn't it? You know, you just want a day off. You just want a day off from having to worry about it. Anyway, I hope that you are having an okay week wherever you are. Thank you so much for your lovely comments about last week's episode with Lee. If you haven't listened already, is it's a really difficult but incredible listen. His story and courage and bravery are yeah just incredible and the book is out now as well um thank you so much for uh, writing and messaging me about that i really appreciate it and please do rate and re- you know i say it every week if you've done it you've done it thank you and i think if you haven't it's all right i mean i appreciate it but if you're just like carried i'm not going to do it it's okay you don't i get it <laughs> people people keep asking you to do things right it's a pandemic on and every time someone asks you you think Oh gee, I can't. I can't add more to my list. So, if you want to, that's it's appreciated. But if you don't, it's okay. I get it. Thank you for listening. Basically, that's all. This week, I'm talking to stand-up comedian Garrett Millerick. Garrett is an incredible stand-up 
extremely funny man. Um, he tours all over the country. He's had two incredibly successful Edinburgh shows, Smile and Sunflower, um, hugely well-reviewed. And he's also appeared on Conan as well, famous American late-night TV show. Garrett came in to talk to me about his wife's pregnancy, uh, which did end in a miscarriage, but they also found out later was an ectopic pregnancy. And a huge thank you to Garrett and his wife um, for coming to talk to us about that. Garrett, you're a comedian, obviously. It's August. I just wanted to first of all talk about how are you feeling? <laughs> well, we're talking not, about the real grief the of real grief. not having the Edinburgh Fringe to go yeah. to. Yeah. Were you planning to go this year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, mate. I'm to buck the trend or seem like a miser. I'm really, I'm really happy to have the year <laughs> off. I, I, I think like, we I'm, all I'm, needed a year off. Like, yeah. no, and no one was going to make everybody do that. So I do think it's good in some ways, obviously sad in others. I had a conversation with my agent about six days into last year's Edinburgh Fringe and we were having a coffee and he, he said, so next year. And I said, well, I think I'm going to take a year off next year. And he didn't take a breath and he just went, no, and then carried on talking. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's nice because my wife's birthday is in the middle of August and wow. for our entire relationship, it's always been ruined by the Edinburgh Fringe. So yeah. for the first time ever... It's going to have a birthday that's not full of performers and <laughs> I feel because my birthday's end of August and I had the same thing like for the whole time my husband was like we've always been in Edinburgh I've always had like a show to do or I'm stressed because I oh, want well, my shows now and then I'm going to gig on this and the fir- I think the first time we had a London birthday again it was like magic I was like oh my god like I could just actually have a birthday as opposed to going yeah five minutes then I'm gonna go meet so-and-so because I said I'd guest on their thing and yeah cake's great but let's go it's just horrible yeah I think well so when we were getting married um we were talking about you know what what dates to do it and a summer (laughs) a summer wedding came up and I I just said look for the foreseeable future yeah it'll be ruined by Edinburgh. Yeah. So like, do you want like the planning of the wedding or the honeymoon or, or all of that? Do you want that to be in any way <laughs> buggered up by preparation of shows, doing shows? Yeah. And she was like, no, we're getting married in May. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. That is exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> Got married in May. Isn't that awful? Got married. I said to him, I was like, May is just far enough that I will be able to give you concentration and I won't be a dick. But then obviously June, July, I need to do previews. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's awful, isn't it? God, we're so. I know. It's really. I think people don't. If you're not in that, you know, obviously in that circuit, you don't realise how vital. It's impossible. Edinburgh it's impossible is. to yeah. explain it. Yeah, it's because it doesn't make sense. Because you're like, oh, for one month, you all work in the same place, and that gets you work for like the rest of the year. And you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. it's like. I, I, I once I was talking. I flyered these two girls in the Pleasant Courtyard, and they looked so depressed, and it was it was like the last weekend and uh i was like oh okay you know and what what, what's wrong and they said well we came up here to see our friend who's doing show and we came up to surprise her and like we just showed up this morning and she she wasn't excited to see us and she so me and my friend sort of ended up sort of gently explaining (laughs) that they they'd rocked up they're like because we thought it would be fun because it's a huge party like i mean you guys go and have fun party but don't you know yeah your friend is not at the party your friend is the person funding the party yeah (laughs) so your friend is not not okay but you go you enjoy it yeah 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 you have a great time but yeah this perhaps was not a well-conceived plan oh bless them well yeah (laughs) anyway sadly we're not here to talk about 
the grief of Edinburgh, obviously, is the pain is real. Um, so, yeah. Garrett, who are we yes. remembering today? Well, we are, uh, I believe we're talking about... Um... Yeah, it's a difficult question in this circumstances, I guess, right? It is a difficult yeah. question. Yeah, so we were talking about um, uh, a miscarriage. So a, a, it's really remembering a, an incident, really, as opposed mm. to an incident in a set of circumstances as opposed to uh, an individual. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've talked, because we always start the show with, like, who is it we're talking about? And we yeah. have covered miscarriage before. And it is a really, it's really tough isn't it because like you said it, it it depends on your religious views your philosophical views of like how you determine what had happened so mm. let's let's go back a bit I guess so um yeah. how long ago did this miscarriage happen this was uh two years ago two years ago so still recent really yeah um and so were you guys trying was it like unexpected yes yes yeah. so we were trying um we did a standard thing you know after I got married uh moved to the suburbs and <laughs> and then got on that um yeah the 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 trying rotor so it was kind of it was a, it was an odd set of circumstances because we were trying we got pregnant quite quickly mm. and then we had a miscarriage and then that was you know sort of difficult to get over and and but we 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 got over that and just as we were getting back to work Sarah had just gone back to work I'd started gigging again and we'd given ourselves a couple of weeks we'd gone away for a bit and then um one night I got a call from Sarah and it wasn't Sarah, it was a friend of Sarah's telling me that she'd collapsed and I went to where she was and she couldn't speak and she couldn't stand up and she was in a huge amount of pain. So I called an ambulance and they couldn't come for a very long time. So I put her in the back of the car, drove as fast as I could to the hospital, got to the hospital. There was a horrific situation at the hospital. Nobody could deal with this. Nobody knew what was going on and it took some of the reason about six hours seven hours oh god until about two three o'clock in the morning they finally worked out that what was wrong with her was we hadn't had a miscarriage mm. we'd had an ectopic pregnancy which had been missed oh, and then god. it got quite far along and ruptured um so yeah she and then that was a very hairy situation so i thought possibly we're going to lose her in mm. that whole um uh, storm there and so then we kind of so then we got over that but it was it was a double whammy really so it wasn't because we thought we'd had the miscarriage and then we dealt with that and went through that and yeah, then the situation gosh. happened with this ectopic so it was it was quite the the bat swing really. <laughs> yeah so how many weeks was she when she when you thought she had the miscarriage nine or ten nine or ten okay yeah which and i the difficult thing i think with miscarriage is what sometimes gets thrown at people or women I think very quickly is like oh it's so common it's so common you know it, yeah. it happens and I think sometimes which I think is a really our generation it's really good that we know that because definitely two generations ago they didn't know it was common it was sort of you know kept to yourself but equally I think it slightly minimizes the situation of like oh it's like falling over you know these things happen and it's like it can yeah. still be very obviously like very difficult to deal with very painful well I I don't know in terms of sort of our generation if like I I'd say that women know that I would say that men don't you know that that they call it the 12 week secret and stuff like Mm. we 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 don't know about that and we don't we don't talk about it like the the level of my ignorance surrounding pregnancy the risks of pregnancy what can happen Mm. everything was I must say absolutely staggering I like I didn't 
I didn't conceive of it as being something that was particularly dangerous. Wow, yeah. Which sounds like a, which sounds like a stupid thing. To, well, it is a stupid <laughs> no, thing to say. No, no, it's not. It's because why would you? If it's not talked to, uh, you know, in front of you, why would you know this? And you're right, like women talk. So, yeah. you know, we hear mums talking, aunties talking, mum's friends talking to another friend about so-and-so who something happened. Like, we hear that. And I mm. think, like you said, a lot of men are not party to those conversations. Well, I think, I don't know what the situation is now, but certainly sort of growing up in the 90s, the your kind of level of education in terms of talking about pregnancy as men mm. is, well, don't get a girl pregnant, don't get a book, <laughs> don't, don't do that, don't do that. And you go, God, yes, don't do that. And yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. And then you get into the thing of trying for a baby and you go, oh, right, it's actually, it's, it's relatively complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I know, there's slightly, I think that's the thing, they don't, because there was, especially, when, I think, when we were growing up, there's such a thing about teenage pregnancy. It was like Massive, the worst yeah. thing that could happen. It, I remember school, like teachers talking about it, watching things on Grain Chill, like, oh, t-, which actually is so unfair. Does it, it is not the worst thing that can happen to a teenager. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. There's this whole like narrative of like, don't do it. And especially when you're younger, it's like, oh my God, like you'll get pregnant, you'll get pregnant. We all like, the girls will know like, what pharmacy will give you the morning after pill without any questions and then you said when you get to this age and you try like oh it's actually it's not I probably could have had I probably could have had although unprotected sex when you're younger you are more fertile that's that is the the um the other side of it but yeah I know what you mean you're suddenly like oh it's not like I'm just gonna have sex and then boom there's gonna be a baby because that's what you made me think yeah there there are apps yeah (laughs) yeah there are apps and timetables and tests yeah 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 and ov- oh yeah my god the ovulation diaries and what when you can do it and it is it suddenly becomes much more scientific i i was i was having a conversation with a with a one of those things about um what stage you're at in life i was talking to another uh comedian and they asked me a question i said yeah well we, we're, we're trying for a baby and they said oh yeah well thanks we all needed to know you're having regular sex with your wife thanks for that and i just burst <laughs> i just burst out laughing and they were like what and i was like no. well no, the uh, <laughs> the conception of what you think you're talking about yeah. and what I'm talking about are radically different. Anyway, I'll see I'll, I'll see in about eight to ten years. But... Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, I think that's the thing, especially when you're your twenties, especially if you're a young twenty year old comedian. <laughs> you're like, no, that's it's not as fun as it sounds, guys. Like, so it's a schedule and a diary and apps and and a science and 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 tricky. I think that's I think it's really interesting what you said there because I think. Well, obviously I can only speak in my own experience, but mm. most women I know, that 12-week thing is a big thing. If they're like, if someone says, oh, do you know so-and-so's pregnant? How many weeks? 10. Okay, all right, I won't say anything. Like you have this weird automatic, which I know some people do really disagree with because then miscarriages aren't talked about. But were you when you when Sarah did have the miscarriage, were you very mm. shocked by that, that it yeah. could even happen? Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea that it was as common as it was and... Yeah, I think the twelve week thing is. I've got mixed feelings. I think mm. it's slightly unhelpful because one, it leads to these things not being talked about, and then I think it 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 puts a kind of shame element on it, which yeah. is incredibly unhelpful. And also, when it happens, you need people around you who are sympathetic to the situation. Yeah. And if it's if it's been a huge secret, I just I don't see how that is that's helpful. And I certainly. Mm. I would say that that the prevalence of that attitude is what sort of led me to being surprised about it uh, and certainly contributed to my ignorance of 
the situations for certainly the first trimester of pregnancy. So I do think I, I was able to talk to somebody about it because principally because they had been very open Um a comedian uh, called Steve McNeil, you, you know. Steve. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So S- Steve and his wife um, have had a number of uh, miscarriages, and so that's led to Steve doing a lot of work for the Miscarriage Association, mm. and he'd done a lot of fundraising and things, and had been sort of publicly quite open about um, their journey. And so that meant because he'd spoken about that when it happened, I knew that he was somebody I could speak to. But I only had that option because he had been so open and generous about yeah about talking about it with people and um and I think that was you know that was really really great for me and it was certainly kind of a, a good example of that kind of thing yeah definitely and I think it's interesting though because it takes like you said it takes one person especially in a situation one man to be like oh this is the other side of it this can happen for you to be like oh there is a space I can talk to whereas yeah if Steve mm. hadn't did you find other friends were like oh right like sort of didn't know how to say it deal with it with you especially I guess male friends yeah I guess so well it's one of the I suppose it's, it's, it's like all these things like nobody knows what to say like, there isn't mm. really anything no there's no magic say. word yeah the thing I did find really, like we both, we, it was utterly ridiculous. When it happens, the amount of babies you see everywhere in like yeah, yeah. the five days afterwards, it's just in absolutely insane. And even in like we were trying to, we were trying to find just something to watch on TV to take our minds off it, and we put on a Jennifer Aniston, Owen Wilson comedy <laughs> called Mar- Marley and Me, and we thought, yeah, oh, yeah, that'd be fine. It has a miscarriage twenty minutes into the film, and you're like. Um, Oh, for God's sake. Oh, my God. Um, it's so weird, it, isn't it? Like, it becomes it... this weird sort of thing with just bear traps everywhere. We we went up to, I like, the week before it happened, I'd done a gig in um, in Lytham. And it's a really nice place. And I thought, oh, Sarah would like it here. And so when it happened, I said, look, we'll, we'll just go up there. We'll, we'll get a hotel up there for a couple of days. Just go walk on the beach, mm. you know, just get out and, and chill out. And so we were there. And I think two days after it happened, we were in a Pizza Express in the middle of this sleepy town there was nobody around we were the only people in this restaurant and then suddenly the doors opened and about 15 prams came in and this like mother's meeting just sat like around us and sarah was sitting there going i uh, i need you to say something anything and i was like I, uh. <laughs> um it's so weird isn't it and you feel like the universe is conspiring it does feel like that <laughs> yeah but obviously it's just because you never would have noticed that it never would have caught your attention before but same thing when you are pregnant I feel like that when yeah when I was first pregnant I was like I just suddenly felt like every woman was pregnant and looking at me and you're just like where have all these pregnant women been like and I say like you know after my dad died you suddenly like it feels like everyone's talking about their dads or his father's day like it's just you're heightened obviously to being mm. to that that nerve is more sensitive but my god poor you that must have been just like I can't believe it's in Marley and me you know that's a good that's a good they should have a trigger warning on the Netflix summary of like yeah contains... they, don't, they, they don't have that on that back where they say like contain scenes of mild peril yeah, stuff. yeah. maybe there's uh this has a lot of babies or discussion of um yeah, it was it was very weird. But the situation in the restaurant, it became we just we just started laughing hysterically <laughs> because it was just it was so yeah, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? It's when your life is is too sitcom. Like you're like, yeah. well that that would happen in a sitcom and in a sitcom you think that would never happen. And then when you're living it you're like, It's too much, it's too much. Like I'm expecting Martin Clunes to come over as the waiter now <laughs> and do like a funny turnabout. <laughs> I think it's great that you can laugh about it. Like I think that's the only 
well that was what that was what we did all, all yeah. the way through all the way through the the whole thing was to, we were just joking and laughing about it and that was you know about the situation about things like that and it just and particularly like when we were in the hospital and the we didn't know what the ectopic thing was mm. we were just we were just sharing jokes it was just that that was the yeah. the route through it the route out of it yeah the language of survival i think especially if you are a comedian it is always jokes like you know if you've already if your brain already goes to what's funny in a difficult time <laughs> it's the same because i've had people say to me before like oh well how, you know how were you cracking jokes when he was dying you're like because i would have cracked a joke any if we'd been at the super like anywhere yeah yeah makes it sound like i might laugh a minute i'm actually not um <laughs> i'm actually quite serious but like that's the thing people don't know about us yeah, comedians. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, very serious. Until it's very traumatic, and and you want to make, you want to break the tension. Mm. I think, yeah, it can be. It, it can be. I think it's. I personally think it's quite healthy. I know, like, there's lots of like therapy thing opinions of like, well, what are you hiding from? But I actually think to have a break from the horribleness to just remember that you can laugh and your body takes in like more air and be like, oh yeah, they, I will get through this. This is going to be okay. I think it's 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 it's. <sighs> Obviously, we would say this, but uh, I just think it's the best thing. I mean, I after it happened, I uh, it, it was it was this it was this time of year. Well, was, so I as we started off talking about it, we were headed to the Edinburgh Festival. The oh, whole God. yeah, the whole thing was booked in, and then that, that was there. So I didn't know like I didn't know what to do about that. I just thought, well, I'll put, I'll put a pin in it. And my producer um, Georgie Donnelly, who I'd worked with for a number of years she was absolutely fantastic she was like if you want to cancel it like whatever you, whatever you want to do mm. like just no pressure and so Sarah and I were talking about it and I had I had like 40 40 45 minutes of stuff worked out and I was like right okay what I'm going to do I'm going to go up and I'll do the 45 minutes of what I had planned to do and then I will basically just tell the audience why I couldn't finish the show so what happened basically yeah yeah and and then for what it was worth the at the back end of the show would be about how laughter got us through that situation mm. so it ended up kind of being like this unfinished show with this bit on the end about humor so I was like right okay that's a plan and then Sarah was really into that and we it gave us kind of a, a nice thing to focus on afterwards yeah. so we both kind of worked on it together and then it 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 just became um like a really interesting situation because it, it I wouldn't it, unless it if it hadn't been so close I wouldn't have done it like there's mm. there's I wouldn't have done a, a, anything about it but it was it, it was basically the only option either cancel it or do something like that and I'm so glad I'm really glad it did because it, it I ended up meeting and speaking to a lot of people who'd had a similar situation. Mm. And even then, um, Deborah Francis White is a good friend of mine, uh, found out what I was doing and said, oh, you've got to come on The Guilty Feminist and talk about the show. And because of that, because of that plug, that then sort of opened it up to a, a big audience of, of people who had experienced something similar. Mm. And then they would come down to the show and... like. Uh, afterwards they would want to talk to me about talk, it so, yeah. which was great like um sarah's best mate is a clinical psychologist and she had given me a couple of exercises to do if it was kind of difficult yeah after the show and it was really great that she did but i ended up not needing them at all because 
I had this sort of huge number of people coming and sharing their experiences and we it was it was really cathartic and great just to be able to talk about it afterwards yeah I think that's incredible that you did that I think that's really it's a bit like we're saying about Steve it's like it can seem from the outside sometimes I think especially with comedy shows you're like oh they're just doing this thing about that all right um oh yeah they, they used to be like a ski jumper so the show's about ski jumping okay you know like yeah. it's very but but actually when it is something so painful and vulnerable it's really hard to talk about and and you do really open yourself up to other people then sharing their story which is what mm. I have with this podcast like I did not intend to like open that door so I didn't really think it through to be honest that was my what happened and then I do get so many stories and I agree with you that obviously sometimes it can be hard and some days you're like okay not, my head isn't quite ready to deal with that but it's mm. what it constantly reminds you of like oh like as we say on the show all the time like I'm not alone like I'm not the only person this happened to whereas when it's happening to you you can feel like oh my especially if you're not aware of that this can happen you feel like we're the only people this is happening to this is so awful like what do we, how do people get through this and mm. that conversation when other people come up to you and be like oh this happened to us x years ago or we did this you're like oh I see like Actually, this is normal. Yeah, absolutely. But it's really, it's interesting and it sort of ties back to that 12 weeks thing of like, I wonder if it is because the idea of a birth is so, is so precious to so many people. Like, so pe I think mm. people find miscarriage just so difficult to talk about because it's so, the idea of like, a, a, you know, a life not, not even yet formed suddenly not being here. It's, it's, it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around as well. Mm. But actually it's, like you said, because it is common, we should be talking about it. And that 12-week thing is really... I didn't tell people till after 12 weeks, but I'm very anxious. <laughs> so I that was I was kind of okay with that because I was like, if something happens, I want to be able to, like, be able to deliver that information first. Do you know what I mean? To be able to say, yeah. oh, okay, it happened at 10 weeks, but now I'm telling you I'm in charge of it rather than someone being like, oh, hey, what's happening? And me being like, oh, I wasn't ready to tell you. So I think... I didn't mind it, but I completely understand that it does, yeah, lock people off in a certain way. Yeah, I do think it's there are things. I, I know I was, I was talking against it earlier. There are things about it that are very sensible, but I mm. do think that it, like every book saying it and everything, like don't, don't, don't. It, it then kind of if you don't make the the finish line or you know that first kind of thing, there's there's a huge amount. I think particularly the first time it happens. Uh, for you, there's a huge amount of shame involved, mm, yeah. Which I think, which I think is really, as you say, like it is common. It's something. It, it's it's tragically common, and it's not something that people should feel any shame about. Yeah. It's not, you know, it happens. It's not anyone's fault. But yeah, that I just think that kind of that marker in the sand for the for the end of the first trimester, like it's it's there for a reason. But there are, yeah, I there think are it's, drawbacks to it. Yeah, there's consequences to it. Because I think I can see that it's there for a reason. And, you know, statistically, that once they get past 12 weeks, the, ch the chances of survival increase. But I agree with you. Anything that isn't talked about or is hidden becomes shameful. Because why why aren't we talking about it? You know, yeah. it, like, immediately it's like, well, but, what's but wrong also, with it? There's a huge, after you get past six weeks, the mm. drop-off, the yeah. chance of it happening... Uh, drastically reduced it's kind of constant all the way through the first trimester it, it drops and drops and mm. drops and drops um so it's not it's not quite as and, and you know of course it can happen after yeah, 12 yeah, weeks as yeah. well so it's not like um 
it, it's a it's a sliding scale where, yeah. and there's all sorts of things in in the whole nine months that can go wrong and and it's it's immensely complicated and dangerous <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah like you said i think that's really interesting that you you didn't know it was dangerous like i think that's no idea yeah absolutely no idea uh it's 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 very silly to say but i had no idea and i, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, another comedian and she 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 spoke to me about it at, at a gig i guess about two three months after it happened and um and she told me that she she did had she had had an experience mm. with her first pregnancy, and um, subsequently things were were fine. And she was kind of saying to me like, "Don't worry, it's not going to affect." Yeah. Try and try and again and and that sort of thing. But she did say the one thing that you will never have again is this idea that it's it's a breeze and it's mm. not a high risk thing. And I think that's that's absolutely that is absolutely true. Yeah, it puts that anxiety into your head which I think any experience with grief or death does I mean like I we talk about the show a lot like because my dad died of cancer like the moment my mum has a cough I'm like what what's happening you're right like you know you're you then you then become aware of the fragility of all of us and I think especially with pregnancy if you don't if you have an easy pregnancy inverted commas easy that's never easy but if you don't have Mm. any medical problems there is a kind of yeah you don't have that anxiety I guess that you now have of anything happen because you, it's happened to you so of course of course every ache or pain is like well, what's happening Are you okay like everything okay that's that's how humans learn is through experience um did you find because so then so then she had the ectopic pregnancy well then mm. you found out it was ectopic much later um yeah. was that again something that did you even know that could happen was that something you were like well, yeah yeah no um my I, don't, G- I don't think it's silly i really don't think it's silly i think it's yeah you're probably um, not I, I mean, I'd, I'd heard of it, so I wasn't. Yeah, uh, I had heard of it, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't something I was particularly yeah like familiar with. Yeah, this this time round, I've 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 read a lot more of the books. <laughs> so yeah, you say this time round. So oh yes, yes. So <laughs> yeah, all well, we can talk about. It. We we are we are we are past twelve weeks, so it's fine to discuss it. So. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations! I'm very Thank very, very happy to hear that. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Adloyd. Was that first 12 weeks tricky for you? Did you find yourself it was, It's edge? an absolute... I mean, the first, uh, the first six weeks, I think, were an absolute nightmare mm. to the point that, as we're saying, because you, you, you have a hyper-awareness to the thing and, mm. and you also just start re, reliving it in, in that you, you go, OK, we, I was totally over that. And I go, oh, no, 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 there's definitely definitely left a mark. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And that's what um, I mean about minimising. Like, I think knowing that it's common is very helpful to make you think, oh, okay, I'm, no- I'm normal. You know, my body will... People have miscarriages and they get pregnant again. Like, okay. But yeah. it does also make this idea of like, oh, well, then you'll be fine, right? Like, why are you still talking about it? Like you said, like, as if it leaves no mark on your body. And mm. I think it's really interesting because I think women generalizing obviously but I do think women are a bit there's an idea that oh if a woman has had a miscarriage of course she's going to be it's going to be a bit tricky next time around she may feel sensitive she may feel anxious and as her friend you're aware of that but I think it's interesting talking from a man's perspective that yeah it's it affected you of course now she's pregnant again it's still like you said it's left a mark I think that's really that isn't discussed a lot of the time no I mean but it, it definitely for the first we had we had a an early scan at uh, seven or eight weeks just to check it mm. it was all in the right place and and we go and everything calmed down a bit after that but certainly for the for the first chunk of it i was very stressed and like just just hyper about everything whilst at the same time making sure that i was keeping that away from sarah yeah. So it was kind of a, during a lockdown situation as well. So I, oh god, um, of course, of course. Oh my god! So you found out during lockdown. Yeah. Oh go, my goodness! Yeah, that's really, really. How did you handle that? Um, well, it was incredibly exciting, and then yeah, the the terrifying thing there was just from last time. I just had to make sure, like, I'd go and walk the dog and have my little flip out, or talk to a friend or something in the park, and then come home and and be chill. Um, because it's very unhelpful and incredibly outside the, the the bounds of my role in this to be like ah and shocking stress on the situation. So yeah, it, it's 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 been yeah it's been an interesting one. Isn't it? I think it's really it's so hard. I, I, I feel for the man in this situation because your emotions are valid. What you're feeling is valid, but like you said, there's you can't go to the person you'd normally go to your partner would be like, oh, I'm a bit stressed about this, like this happened because she is going through a yeah. huge, huge thing. 
and I know especially when yeah like you know when I've been pregnant it's been like my empathy levels are very low (laughs) very low on anybody else because you're you're so busy making a baby and it's like you said it's it's not until you are pregnant you realize like oh that's Matt that might that's quite massive in my body as a child or a younger person you're like oh then a baby just grows and you carry on as normal it's like no it, yeah it feeds off you and destroys you <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's quite an ordeal so yeah i guess did and again did you find like you could talk to friends about it about them and did did they yeah. understand how that miscarriage had affected you or did you kind of find yourself having to find other metaphors for it i think yeah a, a couple of people did it wasn't something that was sort of openly discussed it mm. was i, I think uh, that it was, it was just one of those things that they were aware of. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't going out and talking to huge numbers of people, but there were just a couple of people that I was talking to, like regularly about it, who knew the situation, and that was very useful. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was very useful to have people to, to talk to. So I did, I did, I, you know, I, bro- I broke the twelve week. <laughs> but I think uh, if something has happened like that, you kind of have to the next time round. I think. I can yeah. under yeah, you know first pregnancy and everything's fine and you just don't want to tell people just yet that's fine but if something has happened of I totally understand being like no this time I I want to talk about it and I don't want to be ashamed that I'm worried or that something yeah. might go wrong because something did like this of course of course you're going to have that anxiety one of the things that just going back to something you said earlier there that that's um that I found really interesting about last time. And this was, this was on Sarah, not on me, but there were several times where I wanted to break chairs over people's heads. But afterwards when people were like going, are you trying again? Are you trying again? And you're like, could you give her a minute? <laughs> any chance, any chance you could, you could back the fuck off mm. for two seconds. And people asking the question would be like, yeah, so, you know, really, really, uh, obviously she, she really wants a baby. It's something she really, really wants. But the last time nearly killed her. So she's she's now scared of it. So if you wouldn't mind shutting the fuck up <laughs> and minding your own business for five minutes, that would be really useful. Did you find that common question that people were like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's terrible. I think um, it's again, it's about the sadness of um, because the loss of a, of a fetus, a baby. It makes mm. people so sad that what they want to know is if you're trying again, then I can feel better about your sadness. Like then I'm yes. like, oh good, they will have another one. Of course they will. Whereas if you know Sarah, be like, no, we're not. It's broken us, and I don't want to. You'd be like, oh no, that's that's too sad. I don't want to know that. So that <laughs> that question of like, are you trying again? Is then being like, please tell me you're going to be okay because I want I want to walk away from this chat thinking you're okay. And it's so insensitive. It's so insensitive. Yeah, it's it's very weird. It's that um, I, I, I it's so thoughtless mm. that. I just think generally around things when people, because you don't know what people's stories are or, or what's going on with them, and the the chat around babies anyway, yeah. for for people in, in couples or you know, particularly women, just constantly like, so are you thinking about having a baby? Are you not having a baby? Are you doing work things? And it's just like, well, it's 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 very much none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and let me warn you, when you do have a baby, the first question people ask you, literally when they're about three months old, are you going to have another? You're like, I just, I just made yeah. one. And I, again, like, I'm exhausted, I'm ill, I'm sick. Why, like a factory, like, come on then, where's the... It's, it's, yeah. I find people's interest in other people's wombs very odd. And the only person I've ever, like, I have a very, very close friend who'll be like, won't be, you know, when we were younger, will be like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to have a baby? 
And even my very, very close friend, I'd be like, dude, why are you asking me? And she'd be like, well, I just want to know. And I'd be like, yeah, but you, what if I don't want to talk about it? She's like, well, you just tell me. And I was like, yeah, I guess. But even that, even though someone else, I tell everything to, with, you know, I've been friends for years and years. I mm. found like, oh, she's asking me about my womb. Okay, um, how, do I, how do I feel about that? And I think you, what you said is so true. You do not know what's going on. Because mm. people could have, you know, because miscarriage is common. I think it's also, I find, it's women that say it. Maybe that's a generalisation. It's women talking to other women about it. I think that's probably just your experience of it. <laughs> I'd imagine that I think there are, I don't think being massively insensitive is a gendered issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's something about women talking to other women about their wombs, being like, well, I've got one, so we can, I can ask you what's going on with yours. Yes. Like, as if we're talking about bras or dresses and it's like like you said you you just don't know what's happening and especially an ectopic it's pregnancy. such a, it's such a danger area yeah, as well yeah yeah you're like you're like well you know 10 percent of the time this conversation could be great but if it's not it'll be so bad so, <laughs> like, just leave it alone that's so true it's not like yeah it's not like oh it'll be a bit awkward it's like the answer could be really awful so just don't just don't walk into it. What, like you said, it's none of your business what someone else is planning with children. And even if someone, again, that's talked about a lot more now, but if someone is choosing not to have them, that's like, maybe, why do they have to justify it to you? You know, like, oh, well, I'm, I could, but I'm not. Why? Why don't, why don't you want to use your womb? Like, what's happening? Oh, you will. You will. You will. You'll change your mind. <laughs> You'll change your mind. Only, the only people allowed to get away with that are like 90-year-old grannies. Even then, I feel like it's annoying, but I'm like, look, if you're... You're an old lady. Say what you like. It's fine. You've lived. You, you survived many yeah. other things. Um, especially with an ectopic pregnancy, I guess, yeah, if people don't know, it's um, it's extremely dangerous, ectopic pregnancy, as you know. And it's mm. where the fetus forms in the fallopian tube. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. So it's yeah. basically can't grow there. Um, yeah. That must have been very... That Well, I'll ask you. Mm. was it very traumatic having to go through something like that after already being like oh this was sad but we're going to get through this okay here we go yeah i mean and particularly because we didn't know what it was for mm. a long time because that you know the the first issue had been dealt with so we spent we were in um like a bowel ward in the hospital oh my for, god i mean yeah it was it was like 2 a.m before somebody did an examination of her cervix and she had she had like a huge distended belly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the most painful things that can mm. ever happen to you. Um, so I mean, when it happened to her, she she couldn't speak and sit down or stand up, and oh. she was she was white as a sheet of paper. And the situation that we had in the in the hospital was was horrific. It was it was really bad. And the the strange thing about that was it was really bad, and no one said sorry because everybody was. Um, everybody treated me like I was going to sue them <laughs> and I have absolutely no intention whatsoever of suing a hospital mm. but the the people treating me like I was going to sue them didn't half make me want to sue them because <laughs> it was just like look just say sorry or just yeah, I, yeah. yeah. It, it was really and then um, a friend of mine's a nurse and she was telling me that um, that it's the most litigious area that the hospitals get sued over it all the time to do with babies because wow. obviously emotions are running high yeah. and I was like yeah I get that but also I'd say 60% of that could be dealt with if people weren't treated like they were yeah about to you, sue them you know this is a huge fuck up you can't sue us because uh, this uh, this the here are the ways that it was your fault and here are the ways that it was her fault and you're like 
she want to? I mean, she's just out of surgery. Like I, I went. Um, and she was out of surgery. I went home for a bit to get some sleep, and then the surgeon only came down to speak to her about what happened when I wasn't there, mm. and basically blamed her for it. Um, while she was out of surgery and off her face on morphine, and I thought, well, that's nice. That was. Really... <laughs> so when they were talking to you, was it very much like you said a defensive position? Is that how you felt? Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. well, this, this is very common. This happens, and we didn't know, and we checked like. Yeah, well, it was there, there were a few things like they it, they would have found it in the bloods, but basically what the the blood test didn't happen, and that was partly our fault. But also, we didn't know we went in. We were in a hospital that we like the second time, third time we've been in the hospital, and uh, the her blood had been taken the last two times up in the maternity ward, right? And they just handed us a, a ticket and said, "You've got to go downstairs to get this blood test done," and. We went downstairs and walked into a room where there must have been 300 people queuing. Yeah. And she just couldn't handle it. And I was like, yeah, fine. So we didn't. But nobody told us it was important because it was the third button. We yeah, didn't, We yeah. had no idea. And we thought, well, if it was important, they would have done it upstairs. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no, it's just standard on Monday to Friday. We send people down into the blood thing and we don't oh, do God. it in the maternity. So we were saying to them, well, like, maybe if somebody is, like, incredibly upset, I'm like, just take it in the maternity or explain why it is vitally important that you queue yeah. for that length of time. It's so hard as well when it comes to um, miscarriage as well, because you are in a maternity unit, you know, yes. like you're in the place you're surrounded. Like you said, it's not like pizza express and they're walking in. And I've had a friend who um, had a stillbirth and was put on to the maternity unit ward surrounded yeah. by women that just had their babies. And obviously the NHS is so underfunded and so overstretched, but yeah like this like you said the sensitivity around these situations is is paramount because you're mm. you're so vulnerable at that point and especially for you I guess you feel like you know you're not the one in the agonizing pain you just want to protect her yeah well that was a difficult thing this time round because we went back to to the hospital for this pregnancy and I'd not thought about this it's the same hospital yeah <laughs> so we're getting up there for our first appointment and then she started getting really jittery because it's it's the place where this terrible thing happened um so i was like it's absolutely fine it's no problem you know i'll be with you and then we got up to the door and they were like uh covid rules no partners <gasps> oh, go, God. Go, so they had to go and sit in the car and be like i hope she's all right um it's <laughs> not an idea <laughs> oh my god yeah I, i've got a friend another friend who's um currently pregnant and told me that covid means they can't come that you know it's just her for scans and stuff like that and again yeah. we had another mutual friend who was pregnant had us had the 12 week and they said i'm really sorry like you know you've had a miscarriage and it was missed and she was by herself and it's that thing about covid that obviously you understand but there's a there's a charity called birth rights which is a really amazing charity and they've been doing lots of campaigning to argue that birth and maternity and that side of health is actually very different to going into like a, a kidney scan or you know speaking to a doctor like you, yeah, yeah you know you are as invested in that pregnancy as as your wife is like just because she's the one carrying it and I think it's slightly like that blanket rule that COVID has applied to everything which of course I understand of course but yeah yeah that must have been really hard that she suddenly had to go to the place where and of course you haven't been back there why would you go back there like it's the maternity yeah. unit like yeah. so 
Yeah. But we didn't even think. I didn't even think. Uh, we, we haven't moved house or anything. So, yeah. of course. <laughs> I know. Of course we, um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was one of those things where you just go, oh, God, yeah, I should have thought of that. <laughs> but why would you? Like you said, until, until you kind of, like you said, the whole ignorance around birth and pregnancy, which I think men and women have, until you open that door and start going down that road, Mm. why do you need to know all this stuff because there's so much stuff to know like you said yes. all the books should be like there's an unbelievable amount of information about pregnancy and what's happening and what's going to happen to you that i think until you have to deal with it a bit like grief you know like we we talk a lot in the show of like people should know and we should talk about it but until you are dealing with it it's very hard to conceptualize what that means what it means to be a man whose wife partner has had a miscarriage like it would have been mm. hard to explain that to you 10 years ago you know what i mean Yes, I probably wouldn't have listened either. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because until you're in those shoes. And did you feel like, I'm just wondering, like, did you feel like you grieved for it in a way? Or did you feel like it sort of, you felt like you couldn't? I'm just wondering because of how you felt. Some people with miscarriages feel like, no, I, it, it was a real thing. It was to me and other people feel like you said it was just an incident. It was, that's not how I feel. I think I, I you know, I grieved for the situation. I'd certainly mm. kind of... Um, for me, like I wasn't, I had not put a huge amount of thought into the trying for a baby. I was just like, yes, yes, that is what we will do. So I hadn't kind of like visualized it, or it, it wasn't something that I um, like I actively wanted when yeah. when I was younger. So it's not. Um, whereas you know, for Sarah, I think it was very different. But then when we got pregnant, I suddenly realized that I did. I really wanted it, and it was. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And then that'll put together and then you start kind of visualising the situation and, and thinking about things and going through and being like, yeah. And you kind of reorder yourself in your mind a little bit to yeah. what, what you're going to do and what life's going to be like. And then it doesn't happen and you go, oh. So you've kind of done all this sort of planning and visualising and stuff and you have to kind of pack that away and put mm-hmm. it on another shelf and be like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll get that later. So yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I don't know if I grieved for the, the individual, but I certainly grieved for the for the situation. Yeah, um, I think that's really uh, well put. That you, the brain can't help but go forward and be like, oh, I see, boom, 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 this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and when yeah, when it doesn't work out how you want it to, it's like you said, it's undoing all those sort of future memories, isn't it? Of like, oh, okay, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not, and that that is a that is a grief. It's it's a complicated grief, I think. Yeah. Doing the show like immediately afterwards and speaking to lots of people about that, it was really unexpected and really mm. cathartic. So that kind of, that dealt with a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Through through the situation and kind of for both of us as well, because it was kind of, it was kind of nice to know that this terrible thing happened and then through that you were able to meet a lot of other people mm. and then also we had this sort of really strange situation in that the the show was very successful and it completely changed my life really in terms of how successful it was and that was something that I'd wanted for a very long time but it was interesting to have it after this huge sort of perspective yeah. and not that it wasn't like it wasn't meaningful or anything but it wasn't it very much wasn't the be all and end all it was this nice thing had happened but it was you know that's certainly something that i i, I probably when, when i was younger would have been like yeah that's something i really want is you know for my career to go well and things like that and 
when that did happen, it wasn't like a hooray, you know. It, yeah. It, 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 it happened in a with a sense of perspective about it, which which was which was great. I mean, it it, it sort of somebody um, somebody said something. I've had t- two incredibly crash comments about the, <laughs> the situation. Actually, no, a few more than that, but two really stick in my mind. Um, one was when somebody said uh, in Edinburgh said you were very lucky to have that miscarriage happen. Oh no. <laughs> No, they didn't. They, they oh, absolutely did. Oh, my God. And it was a comedian, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Because I love comedians, but also they can be the worst people in the world. Yeah, dreadful, <laughs> dreadful people. Dreadful people. Oh, my God, it, Garrett, that's awful. What a thing to say. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And somebody said to me on when the award nominations came out, they were like, ah, oh, it's like the biggest loss that you didn't get. Uh, norm for that and I was like um <laughs> oh, fuck you know. I was like no it's 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 all right and they were it's like you right. must they're like oh I, I don't know why it you know you must be just devastated and I was like no 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 and then when I was like I, I I yeah I sort of missed out on some things this year that I wanted a bit more than that but <laughs> but um, but it's so hard to explain to like if you if you don't know comedians that Edinburgh as we talked about, is every is everything, and for some of them, I tell you, for not the healthy ones, but for some of them, like reviews and prizes and all of that is like life or death. It is life or death. It's, 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 it is life or death, and it is all there is, and particularly like younger ones, younger ones. They, yes, yeah, yes, where they're like the conception of like you having a life outside of this thing that is more meaningful to you than <laughs> the thing. Is it's just anathema. So yeah, because like, I, um, I can almost forgive. I can almost, not my job to forgive, but I can almost forgive saying like, oh, it's big loss. Because I can imagine a very young, naive person just not just not knowing what it means to, to lose a baby in that way. Just like not, not yeah, really yeah. understanding, being like, oh, right. But to say you were lucky is the kind of bullshit that's really, like, the only thing I would counter it with is like, I feel sorry for that person. Because that person has a lot of... A yeah. lot of things to deal with. They have a lot of things to deal with because if you if you can look at someone's pain and be jealous, like what is happening in your heart? Because you know, I have I know exactly what you're talking about. Like grief cast. You know, I I had my first baby. I couldn't get a lot of work. People literally said to my face, "You're pregnant. We don't want you to do this job, this yeah. sitcom, this gig." And I started a podcast, and it it went very well. And I was very surprised. I had not done it with that like you know um cynical hat on Mm. and it's and then when it does well of course you're like oh that's great the only reason i could talk about this is my dad died when i was 15 like that's not like i don't like like you said i don't like woohoo around the place like the thing that makes me happy is when people come to me and say oh this helped then i'm like oh that's a woohoo that's a like great good this used to be useful in this world is like i think the only sort of thing you can like get joy out of but to, and I think it's what I think it's hard if you're not in comedy to understand like how bitter and jealous people can get about things and to and to view your pain like to say oh you had something to talk about in a show I'm like oh you need some therapy <laughs> like that that's... yeah the the and then there was a there was a there was another one which wasn't a comedian it was a producer the next when I was doing a show for the next year yeah they asked me 
what it was about and I was like it's not about anything it's just it's an hour of jokes and stories and they were like no 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 that would be career suicide because what people (laughs) what people reacted to last year was the tragedy so what you need is another tragedy and ideally (laughs) it has to be worse and I said oh my god are you fucking kidding me no it's outside the outside the Soho theatre puffing on a cigarette going yeah it needs to be worse and um oh my god then I said, and I sort of, you know, bat it off as the ridiculous comment it was. And I said, but nothing bad's happened. And um, then I was greeted with, oh, it doesn't need to be true. And I thought, oh, uh, uh. Uh, then, uh, like gross, like get me yeah. away from this person. Jesus but, Christ. But that was that was an absolute gift because then I took that conversation lock, stock and barrel and I put it in the next show. <laughs> I just said, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this. Um, and I think also what's stupid from that perspective of, a, you know, people believing, people believing that you need tragedy to make, mm. to be successful. Like that's what gets it. Something bad happens to someone. Oh, they were in a plane crash. They wrote a book about it. Boom. Like, and it's like, no, it's not the thing that happened to them. It's the way that they dealt with it. It's the communication. It's the openness. It's the vulnerability. It's the truth. Like, that's what people connect with. Your show did well because you were open and vulnerable and funny about something that had happened to you. It mm. happened to be a very sad thing. But people don't see it. Like, they don't see the conduit is you dealing with it. Like, that's what people were reacting to. Not that, oh, lucky old Garrett, that happened to him. <laughs> I hope that happens to me one day. You're like... What the fuck? Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, that well, that is that that is that classic um, Edinburgh mindset, which is yeah. why perhaps it is not a bad thing that there's a break from it this year. <laughs> Everybody just to take a just take a minute. Take a minute, if, guys. Think about is it. it. Some sort of tragedy arms race. Yeah. Um, well, again, there was that year that there was lots of shows about comedians with dead dads and I remember people being like oh yeah you want to you want to win you've got to have a dead dad and I was just like I'm sure none of those people would take that five-star review over their dad being there to see them do a show like yeah and again but if you if you haven't experienced it especially if you're a a, um, competitive comedian empathy is not in your toolbox um sorry some some of them are very nice but then it becomes it becomes that thing with people say like the dead dad thing somebody said to me I think it was Paul Burns said to me last year, I have seen a thousand times more comedians in shows complaining about dead dad shows yes. than I have seen dead dad shows. It was like, okay, people go to dead dad shows. Like, fine, name three of them. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. <laughs> people categorizing it as like, oh, that's the thing they do or a breakup show. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you're so right actually naming the shows where people where people talked about it so much you could categorize it as a dead dad show as opposed to it's like you said you had 45 minutes of stuff of comedy and then you had this bit at the end which explained why there was no ending but was also truthful and honest but I, i think it's it's just jealousy and it's a really that's what i mean it's a really sad thing to be jealous of someone's pain like i can only imagine that they they haven't experienced pain yet and they're going yeah. to they're going like that's the thing they're not immune they're not going to get through life without having to grieve at some point but it was one of those things but it was too um when something is too offensive uh, sorry uh, it's, it's so offensive like you can't be offended by it it yeah. was just funny yeah it was just it was just amusing and the same thing with the person be like right yeah you need a, you need another tragedy it was like well that is a very interesting way 
of seeing the world. Yeah. Like going, like going. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was a comedian. No, now you are the miscarriage guy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I yeah, I know. Well, I do get that as well for people like, oh yeah, like you know, it happened to her, so she gets to talk about death now, and you're like, yeah, it's like no, I, I'm just. I'm just always going to talk about stuff that has happened to me. That's what I do. And this is something that has happened to me. But yeah, yeah, it's a very strange, but it only comes, I think, when you see the world as lacking, when you see that, oh, there's, there's one piece of pie and that's it. And so the Garrett's got the miscarriage pie. Well, then what can I have? My life's bloody normal. Like my parents are still together. Like, what do I do? And you're like, no, you just need to be funny about what's happening to you. And I've seen plenty of comedians be funny about very banal things. Like, yeah, I mean that's that's really the beauty of it. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't need a tragedy to make an Edinburgh show. Like that's God. I yeah. mean, <laughs> if you don't know comedians, I've, and they're not all bad, they're not all bad, but the ones that are bad are really something <laughs> special. <laughs> to be fair, well, Garrett, um, as we just come to an end, like obviously, congratulations that thank you very you much. Are, you. you know, so Sarah is pregnant, and I'm, I wish you all the best for this pregnancy I fully understand it's gonna you know you will be anxious about it it's perfectly normal well as I said like the first the first period of it was very very stressful but I kind of I had a word with myself I suppose about eight weeks in being like you like you can't do this for nine months yeah. this is not a and also that there's there's a there's a role you know there, there, there is a. I've got a job to do, which I, f- I find that sort of thing very, very comforting. Yeah, yeah. Be like, right, yeah, I've got this job. I've got a role to do. Like when, the, when it happened the first time, I had my mum gave me a piece of advice, which I think was that it was the most helpful thing that anybody has ever said to me. And I relayed it to a friend, and and she looked at me horrified. So it was a dreadful thing to say. Uh, my mum is a very um, old school, and there's a lot to be said for that. And it's it's not you know I'm not saying that's the only the only valid way to be, but it was just yeah. she was perfect with me at the time. Um, I was in the kitchen, I was talking to her on the phone, and I just went to bits. And my mum just said, "Where is your wife?" And I said, "She's upstairs." And she was like, "Right, well, you need to park this because you've got a job to do. You are a man, you're an adult, and you're a husband, and you can do this, but you can't do it now because somebody needs you to do your job." So pull yourself, pull yourself together and go and be a husband. And I was like, right, yes, yes. And it <laughs> it, it was phenomenally helpful. Um, just be like, oh yeah, there's 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 stuff to be done here. Mm. There's like there will come a point sometime later down the road where it will be appropriate to do this. But at the time, she was right; it wasn't. And um, yeah, it was incredibly comforting. Yeah, I think anything that can, especially in grief, that can sometimes, because grief is so inward looking, that anything that can sometimes make you just look up and look around can be really helpful to be like, oh, and it's not shaming. It's not like, oh, get over it at all. But it's just to be like, oh, yes, there is someone else in pain. There is other things that is all that is all happening at the same time, as well as my own sadness. But they are happening presently. And also, Mm. I mean... It sounds like your mum knew what to say to you. Do you know what I mean? Like that might yeah, not be yeah, good yeah. advice. It was a great, it was a great bit of parenting. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was absolutely what was, what was required at the time. Well, Garrett, thank you so much, and thank, oh, you, thank you to Sarah as well, who's not here, but I feel like she was definitely a part of the conversation. I really appreciate yeah. you both sharing the story. Well, thank you very much for uh, having me and, uh, by extension, us on. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You can follow Garrett on Twitter at Millerick. 
comedy. You can head to his website, garrettmillerick.com, to find out where you can download uh, his comedy albums of his shows and also where he's gigging. He is back gigging, hopefully soon, um, at the end of this year and touring again, hopefully, if that happens. So do check that out. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. The music was provided by The Glue Ensemble. It was recorded in my living room and uh, artwork is by Jade Perkin. Thank you so much for listening and remember, however you feel this week, you are not alone. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.